Portage Health Foundation is proud to introduce you to Do Good Volunteer of the Month, Angie Van Tassel. Angie has made quite a mark in Michigan's copper country since moving here in the 1980s. She initiated a high school completion program for pregnant and parenting teens, started support groups for women with cancer, provided rides for little brothers, friends of the elderly, and is a board member with UP Kids. She also helped build the new pickleball courts in Hancock. If you know an incredible volunteer like Angie, go to dogoodcc.org and nominate them to be recognized as the next Do Good in the Copper Country Volunteer of the Month. Welcome back to segment two of Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Uh, we are brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. You can learn more about them at phfgive.org. And if you want to get heard on that proposed wellness campus that they are talking about, could be a major benefit for the Copper Country, but please get your opinions in. Go to the website phfgive.org and make sure that your voice is heard. And please do that fairly soon because they'll be closing that survey out fairly quickly. It has been kind of a rough go lately for the Houghton City Council, and a lot is being said and things are being talked about, and I thought, uh, let's, let's kind of cut through some of what's floating around and find out what's really happening. I approached Mayor Brian Irizarry about appearing on the program. He declined to do that, and so I issued an invitation to the other council members to see who might be interested in coming onto the program, and most of them responded and said that they would be willing to do it. But I extended the invitation first and foremost to Joan Suits, who is the mayor pro tem, and that puts her kind of second in line. And so Joan has agreed to join us today, and uh, Joan, first of all, welcome to the program. I'm very, very glad that you're here. Thank you for coming in. Well, thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here. We are talking at this point uh, basically Joan is not here to represent the city council she is not here to represent the city uh, in the position of mayor pro tem that really doesn't come with that with mayor yes with mayor pro tem not so what we are talking with Joan today about is is her opinions this is her personal view on things and she is not representing other council members she is not representing uh, mayor irizari in particular and she is not representing city staff she is here representing herself as a member of the council so um, so we'll we'll talk a little bit about a number of things here we've got to start with the tone and the temper of the council at this point i covered the meeting wednesday i will commend you i thought you were one of the adults in the room there, there were people who did not seem to have that uh, that share. Is it frustrating at this point to have some of this bickering going on? It's incredibly frustrating, and it seems I had hoped, I had hoped with the uh, legal opinion being issued on the controversy regarding Counselor Cole, I had hoped things would settle down and we could continue to move forward. And I don't, I'm. I've got some thoughts on maybe why things have been going downhill, but I'm really disappointed in the general tenor of the meetings. Yeah, and I, I've got to say I've covered a lot of council meetings. I've covered my first city council meetings in the mid-70s. I'm extremely old. And I don't believe I have ever seen quite the partisan divide and rancor on a council of this level that I'm seeing with this one. This is going to be tough to fix. Well, when we, we three new members were elected in 2020, and um, I did not, frankly, expect to be welcomed with open arms. Um, I thought, well, you know, but, but I thought we've all got the city good at heart. 
we can work together. And being a pragmatist and thinking anyone in politics who wants to make things work, you've got to be pragmatic about things. You don't always get what you want. You make do with what you're given. And I think we had actually been making some progress over the two years, but for whatever reason, in the last few months, things have really taken a turn for the worse. Do you have any reason to think of what that might be? Was there some flashpoint, perhaps, that polarized people a little bit more? Or is this just something that maybe after the honeymoon ended, things started sliding apart? I'm not sure there ever was a honeymoon. I, I don't think there was ever anything good. I know when um, Councillor Salo left and we were unable to to agree on a replacement, we had a six-member council and there was a lot of discussion about, be, oh, well, you're going to be gridlocked all the time. Surprisingly, that was not the case. We were able to talk and we were able to work things through. And I think we can still do that. I know the council has done some great things and the city, and I'm not going to take credit for what the city has done. I will give that to Eric Wara and his staff. Uh, Great things have been happening, and I'm not sure why the council has been deteriorating. Well, and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, one thing we should note is that in many cases such as this, uh, I've seen it in the Michigan legislature uh, and even the U.S. House over the past years, even though there are parts of things where there's some rancor, there are other parts where people do come together. Motions are being passed. Uh, bills are being paid, ideas are, are being kicked about, and uh, things are moving forward in some respect. So it's not like the city has fallen apart completely and the council is completely in gridlock. That's correct. Um, unfortunately, I thought, your, I thought your article regarding the meeting on Wednesday, the statement of getting an hour's worth of work done in two and a half hours was very to the point. I thought we had a very productive hour. Uh, there was a lot of discussion, a lot of... Um, unfortunately deteriorated into a lot of attacks on other people and there is no place for that at a council meeting and unfortunately the crowd seemed to get into the spirit of things that didn't help matters it was a it was a very difficult meeting and i'm i'm not really sure how to pull things together yeah it's I, I don't have a suggestion for you. And <laughs> well, I, I did. When I, I talked to um, Councillor Backen, former Mayor Backen, I had a long talk with him about um, after the recent election in which he was not reappointed mayor. And um, he, he expressed some dismay about, you know, what, what am I going to do? Am I being put out to pasture? And my hope, and I told him this, was, you know, you've got so much experience. Please use this. Help people come together. You have seen so much in the time you've been on the council, in the years you've been working in this community. You know, maybe maybe you can start pulling people together. I have um, I've got pretty good working relationship with elite, uh, with most of the council members in in private. You know, we're good friends uh, or friends. And then, um, but it's somehow when you get into that group group setting, things unfortunately deteriorate. You were elected along with uh, Brian Irizarry and Jan Cole, uh, as you mentioned several years ago now, uh, as part of a, a ticket that kind of was formed because of some discontent with the potential along the Houghton waterfront. Um, why did you 
vote for Mr. Irizarry instead of Mr. Backen? That was a tough decision. Um, I had been approached prior to the meeting. I had both Mr. Irizarry and Mr. Backen had called me and asked me for their support, and I told them both the same thing. I really don't know. I need to hear what's what. What are you going to do as mayor? And I think when I was elected, I think people expressed the desire for change in how things were going. And when push came to shove, I thought that I have the utmost respect for Mr. Backen, but I thought if we were going to get a change going, we needed a change at the top, and that, that meant voting for Mr. Irizarry. What kind of change do you think that that can bring about? Well, I would like to have a more... Uh, active, uh, active council debating issues. As far as, in my opinion, there is not enough debate. We are presented information, and we need to make a decision quickly. I would like to see. I've always said I'd like to see the pros and cons of every every issue. I don't, I still don't think we get enough discussion. I would like to hear every council member's opinion. And when people vote against something, I really want to know why. I'd like to know why they would be inclined to vote no. Um, I've had a couple of talks out after votes, and I've said, why, why did you vote no on that? And gotten a good answer. It's like, why didn't you say that at the meeting? And, and I wish people would talk more at the meetings. I wish we could get more more back and forth so that we could try to work towards a consensus. And I think that's just been an ingrained habit. I think the council, before I was elected, they had been working together so long, I think they probably could have finished each other. They were just, they were great. They were so in sync. Uh, and now, you know, you've got different people there and it's a little bit different and can't complete somebody else's sentence automatically. And I think that that is a that's been part of the problem is we, we're not really fitting into the fitting into the preconceived idea of how we should be. Yeah, I learned something, and I think the existing council at the time when the waterfront property first surfaced, when that situation first surfaced, I learned something. And the thing that I learned, and I think they learned as well, was that the old-fashioned way we used to use to communicate what was happening within the city processes doesn't work so much anymore. Exactly. You know, this whole thing, I, I covered the meeting when they chose Viridia as the development partner. I was there. I knew, I knew what was going on. I knew what they were doing. And there were others who knew what they were doing. And there were a ton of people who had no clue. No clue. And they thought that this was sprung upon them as a, uh, an underhanded backroom surprise which had not been the case. It had gone through the planning commission. Everything had been done. All the I's dotted, the T's crossed. But the message hadn't gotten out. And I think that that's been a change in the way that municipal government works over the last 20 years or so. A lot of this work used to be done at the council level. Now a lot of this work is being done at the sub-council level. It's being done at the planning commission. It's being done at the zoning commission. We have tried as a news organization to pay more attention to some of those meetings since then because that's where things are happening. That's where input comes from the community. They're holding public hearings. Nobody's showing up. 
and then they wonder why people are angry and and, and feel they've had no no chance for input. I know we had we had a meeting like that a few month or so ago when we were discussing uh, letting and I don't want to get too technical, but but really uh, letting go of the variance uh, or you know the so the people could the place where people walk through now where the building is being proposed the now the easement, the easement yeah thank you um, and uh, people showed up there seeming to think that this was their t the time and place to comment on the building and the proposal, and that was totally not it. And I I voted to to let go of the easement because you know that ship had sailed, and I got a lot of flack afterwards saying how could you vote for that? And I was like, we don't own that property. That property belongs to the property owner, you know, and let it go. Yeah, the, and, I I. I followed that at the time too yeah. and and I had the same thought and I spent some time in real estate as a real estate broker out of radio and I looked at it and I thought the reason for the easement is no longer there exactly so why would you want to maintain it why would you exactly. want to encumber the property owner with but, something that has no purpose but that speaks to what you said because you you talk about uh, you know people people show people get some idea that this is going to be a meeting to discuss something and I'm they're not quite getting the gist of what they're supposed to be discussing and it's very frustrating sitting in a public forum and you know having people tell you what a jerk you are because you're not you're not doing and it's like well that's not our job we're not here to discuss that building the building is going yeah it's like let it go we're discussing the easement yep. and yep. yeah anyway and that's I think that's unfortunately the way and one of the things I wanted to do when I got elected was to spread the word more and I'm glad we are having we had been getting more people at the meetings and we've been getting quite a few more in the last few meetings and i think that's great but i just i don't know the best way to get word out to people yeah it's it's challenging and you know the city has a method for doing this there's a list serve that list you can serve. join that's right you can get an email we are on it here at the radio station that's how we know when you're having meetings you know, it points us to documents that go along with the meetings your council packets uh, in some cases and the agendas and such uh, but I talked with Eric Wara once, and he said they track who opens the emails, and he said it's about 10% of the people who get them. So. Well, and my, my response so far to people who have been critical of some of the decisions I've made, and uh, I said, well, did you, did you look at the material that was sent out? No. I said, well, why didn't you? Why didn't you look at it? Why are you just criticizing after the fact? And not getting any good answers. I mean, I think people really need to take some accountability for, for being informed. I mean, they know things are happening and they know where to look. Yeah. They need to do it. Yeah, I'm talking with Joan Suits from the Houghton City Council. She is the mayor pro tem. Let's talk about uh, a couple of things here that uh, people are asking me about. Where uh, we, we've approved one and a half million dollars to tear down the parking deck. There was a plan in place several years ago that might might have, had it come to fruition, provided teardown of the existing deck, construction of some sort of new parking facility, and then additional, uh, additional building on that area. That plan is gone. Correct. In retrospect, now that the city's looking at paying one and a half million, and actually by the time you get through with accessories and interest, on the bonds, probably two million or more, for tearing down the deck. In retrospect, would we have been better off following that plan perhaps a little bit farther to see what might have come from it? 
I've asked myself questions about this many times over the years. Um, I followed that process closely. Uh, I was um, I was not on either the I was not a part of the council at that time. I I did not think I never I never was able to figure out where the idea of a conference or convention conference center came from. I did not think that was a good idea. Uh, I still don't. I listened to the three proposals who flat out said this is what we were told to propose. Um, if I'd been on the council at that time, that would not have been the option I would have selected. Um, I thought one was really outstanding and it was not the one chosen. I was very disappointed by the lack of discussion. Water under the bridge. Uh, what would I would have done? Um, so now we're looking at this bond. We've got money coming in from the state. We've got a grant coming in from the state as well. A million dollars. A million dollars. Yeah, that's that's not chump change. Um, I think city manager Wara has gone above and beyond. I know he wasn't happy about this, but man, he has come up with a wonderful plan in the interim. And I think he will be remembered favorably for this. It's always nice to have somebody else pay your bills, but there's no such thing as a free, you don't get a free million dollars. You're, you're giving something away. And in this case, I think giving away that waterfront, that was not worth it. Yeah, it's expensive, but I think this is truly, I think this is what most of the city wanted. I think it does not reflect an anti-development bias. It's just not that development. What do we say at this point to those business owners along Sheldon Avenue who have depended for the last 40 years on having that backdoor parking, uh, first of all, in terms of quantity of parking available for some of the restaurants and some of the retail businesses, and secondly, in terms of loading things in and out, uh, I think particularly, specifically of Swift Hardware. Um, you know, if I'm going to go in there and buy eight, ten-foot pieces of PVC pipe, am I going to have to load that out the front door onto Sheldon Avenue at this point? What do we say to those business owners who were counting on having that access? Yeah, I think about Swifts when I pick up my 80-pound bags of fertilizer and whatnot. Um, this is act. This is actually a question which would have been much better suited for Mr. Wara. Um, he has been talking to the the business owners about, and we have got we have got a group coming in to help deal with this transition. Um, I don't think it's not the case that one day you're going to open up the back door and it's going to be a two-story drop. Um, I remember first when we first moved here, which was um, right after the deck was built, and it was a new thing, and we were still using the the we would go down the stairs at. Well, it wasn't the Swifts at the time. Well, actually, this, the old Swift building, we would go go down the stairs in that one and carry things out the back. I think um, the deck had to come down. That was not up for debate. Yeah, nobody was. No. Nobody at this point is questioning well, that, that deck has actually, to come down. Well, I, I disagree with that. Some people are still questioning, why can't you fix that deck? And it's um, like, no, <laughs> no, 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 you can't fix it. No. Um, it's got to come down. And I, I think what we the first step is since... Since we don't have a, we, we haven't yet looked at what the options are, but I think the first step is since the deck has to come down, let's take it down. Let's see what it looks like back there. And in terms of, I think that uh, Mr. Wara is doing a great job working with the businesses. He could give you the specs and the details on what he's doing to help them. Yeah, and I think within a few weeks as this starts to develop, I know there's a 
he mentioned at the meeting Wednesday night that there's a commission that's starting to meet to talk yes. about what how, how parking's going to be handled yes. during the transition. And my thought was, okay, once we kind of get those decisions in place, then I'm going to, I'll invite Eric on. And once he has that specific information to share. I, I think that's great. I think a lot of it now, I think there's fear of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you picture the uh, Wiley Coyote running after Roadrunner and all of a sudden he's run off the Mesa and he's in midair and going, looking down and, you know, um, it's not the case that people are going to one day open the back door and there's nothing there. I mean, I think there will be a plan in place long before that point. All right. And we'll have to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. So, um, the there was controversy about a couple of letters that were read into the record at the previous city council meeting a little over two weeks ago at this point uh, one came from a known person one came from a person who there was a signature attached to it um, we posted audio of both of those letters in the story we did at qnrreport.com we took a fair amount of flack for that because it turns out that we can't figure out who wrote one of the letters. Um, it's either somebody that nobody has heard of, which is possible, or it's somebody who signed a name that is not theirs. Um, Mayor Irizarry Wednesday night was very critical of that process. He called the letter fraudulent. What's your thought on it? Is, uh, is, if, if in fact this is somebody who has signed a different name, does that illegitimize it? Well, I think if you're going, when we have people speak at the council meetings, we make them state their name and where they're from. Um, and the writer of that letter signed a name only, no other information. Um, I always want to know, I want to try to know why people say what they say. I want to know what is your motivation. I thought some of the comments, especially directed at Mayor Irizarry, were uh, um, certainly approaching uh, untruth. They were certainly uh, rude and inappropriate. Um, I did mention at the meeting, I thought it would be a nice idea to have, have at least a phone number. Like, you know, the Gazette will ask you for a phone number and um, got shot down. I, did, was, I think I was accused of trying to infringe people's freedom of speech. <laughs> Um, I worry about that because anybody could sign, send a letter signing my name, and I would hope that the clerk would give me a call and say, did you really send this letter? But, you know, you've got to, that's if you know the person. I think people who, who make statements should be willing to own up to their statements and be available for follow-up. Is there a place in this for somebody who might be in a sensitive position? Um, <clears throat> and I, I have no idea who wrote the letter. Let's say it was me. It was not me. <laughs> it, was, it was not me. And frankly, I live in Lance. I have no horse in this race anyway. But let's say it was me and I, as a journalist, but also as a citizen, wished to express my opinion. But I don't want that traced back to me because people might perceive a bias in my coverage of an issue. Let's say maybe it's a person who works for the city who wants to express an opinion, but would feel that if they expressed it using their own name, that they might find their job in jeopardy or in peril, or maybe somebody closely associated with someone on the council or a major player. Is there a place in this where somebody 
who kind of needs to maintain their anonymity can do so and the letters still be credible? That would require, I mean, first of all, I think if you've got an opinion that you feel that strongly about, you should own it. You should be willing to take responsibility for your opinions. And that includes myself speaking today. Um, if for some reason you would not want to be have your name made public, we don't have any procedure in place right now to, to verify that, okay, so this person wrote the letter but does not wish to have his or her name made public. That would be a potential, a potential, a potential solution. I'm not sure how well it would work. I guess I'm just, I'm just uncomfortable with an anonymous letters. They, they make me uneasy because you can say anything and you know, you're not held accountable for it. Yeah, and your point is well taken that uh, it, you know somebody could sign my name to it and send it in and. Good idea. You're right into the next counts now. Yeah. Just kidding. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be there. I'll recognize <laughs> it. But uh, and that's a that's that's a tough nut to crack. It is. Uh, that's a tough nut to crack. Uh, we frankly included them because these were comments that I've heard from other people, and I thought the letters were representative of a number of comments that I had heard, and that's why we included them. But, um, and my gosh, we're out of time here, so. <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> I'll have to come back. You have to ask me back. I got more you're, to say. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks, Todd. Take care.